So let me tell Carolyn to turn on. Carolyn? As you can see, we're having some technical difficulties. It's President's Day, and I guess presidents are always late for things, so it's President's Day, and we're starting a little late today. I'm sorry. We're having all kind of uh, problems with a computer. The computer rebooted, and I don't know anything about computers. Fortunately, I have a brilliant son and a brilliant wife who know more about computers. I also have grandchildren who probably know more than anybody else about computers, but here we are, and today I am outraged. I have, for the past 60 years of my life, fought for the rule of law, fought for the Constitution. And the rule of law, if it means anything, it means that a person cannot be convicted of a crime unless that person violates a statute. Thomas Jefferson put it very nicely many years ago, when he said a person can't be convicted of a crime unless the statute is so clear that if a person reads it while running, he can understand it. Well, I taught criminal law for 50 years, and I do not understand how Kim Potter, the police officer from Brooklyn, Minnesota, could possibly be convicted of any crime and could possibly be sentenced to two years in prison. Before I get to why there's no crime. And she is absolutely innocent. She's as innocent as you or me under the law. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about the sentencing in the case. First of all, before we get to the sentencing, she should be out on bail. She should never have been locked up pending sentencing and pending appeal because <clears throat> the appeal is a slam dunk. Um, if there is a decent appellate court, uh, it will reverse the conviction. There's no basis for the conviction. In any event, even if it was arguable one side or the other, this is not a flight risk, this is not a danger, this is somebody who after 26 years made one mistake in one 10 seconds of her, of her life. And you don't deny bail pending appeal to somebody like that. So the judge made mistake one by, um, by, by not granting bail. That can still be undone because we still don't have the appeal. Mistake two is sentencing her to prison. Now, of course, the family is outraged. She only got two years. No, that's two years more than she should have gotten. Um, and, and, and the family says, race didn't play enough of a role. This case is all about race. No, no, no. Race played much too much of a role. If this had been a black police man or woman who had shot a white kid, nobody would be prosecuting the case. And certainly there'd be no conviction and certainly there'd be no jail time. So let's look at the case. This is going to be a little bit of a seminar in criminal law. This is what I did for 50 years at Harvard. So I apologize if I'm a little pedantic. Uh, what do you do when you analyze a, a criminal conviction? You look at the statute. So she was convicted of manslaughter, manslaughter in the first degree and manslaughter in the second degree. I've read these statutes. They simply don't apply. They simply do not apply. For manslaughter in the first degree, you have five possibilities. Number one, intentionally, and we know she didn't intentionally cause the death of anybody. The state admits that. The judge admitted it. The second criteria is violate section 609.224. That requires intentionality to and causes the death of another, or causes the death of another in committing or attempting to commit 
a misdemeanor or gross demeanor offense with such force and violence that death or great bodily harm in any person was reasonably foreseeable. But you have to look at that through her mind. She was tasing him. She yelled, taser, taser, taser. She said, I'm going to tase you. Then she fired what she believed was the taser, and she realized she had used a gun, and she said, oh, I shot him. That just doesn't apply. It just doesn't apply. Then there are a bunch of other things which just don't apply if the death is caused by administering a controlled substance. In other words, if you provide drugs to somebody and they die, uh, causes the death of another in committing or attempting to commit a violation of 609-377, malicious punishment of a child. That doesn't apply. So you take the statute and you read it, and you know what happens? You say, it's not applicable. There's no crime committed. There's nothing under the statute. So then you turn to manslaughter in the second degree by the person's culpable negligence, whereby the person, okay, let's assume that there was culpable negligence. Let's assume that. Culpable negligence, whereby the person creates an unreasonable risk. Let's assume that she created an unreasonable risk. Then the key words, and, and, not or, and consciously takes chances of causing death or great bodily harm to another, consciously. But everybody admits in this case, it was not conscious. That statute doesn't apply. No statutes apply. This is a lawless act by the prosecutor in Minnesota, Keith Ellison. This is a lawless act by the judge. This is a lawless act by the jury. And I have to tell you, I've argued more private criminal appeals than any lawyer in the history of the United States. And I challenge anybody to defy me on that. I've argued between, I don't know, 250 and 300 appeals uh, over the years. I have never had an appeal easier than this one to win. I'm not saying it's going to be one. It's Minnesota. And uh, it's in a racial climate. If this were John, John Smith or Jane Smith, white on white, not after the reckoning that we're having on race, um, um, it never would have come to this. Uh, any first-year law student can win this appeal. All you have to do is show them the statutes and say, Your Honor, point me. Where? Where? Uh, what statute did they violate? Oh, 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 it, it, it must have been. There must be a statute because what she did was terrible. What she did was terrible. It was a terrible accident. It's like an old person getting in a car and going, driving down the street 30 miles an hour safely, having had the car inspected. And then a kid runs out in front. And instead of slamming the foot on the brake, the person accidentally slams it on the gas and kills the kid. Terrible, tort, has to pay, has to maybe have his license revoked. Not a crime, not a crime. This is very much like Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin is worse because in the Alec Baldwin case, somebody did something. Uh, very reckless, allowing a loadable gun, a fireable gun, onto a set, probably not Alec Baldwin. But Alec Baldwin is in about the same position as Kim Potter. He pulled the trigger. He says he didn't pull the trigger. He pulled the hammer. That, that's technical. That doesn't matter. But he caused the death of an innocent person. So did she cause the death of an innocent person. Why, why is one being prosecuted and the other not? 
Very simple, because the victim in one case is white and the victim in the other case is black. It's as simple as that. This is all about race. You know, the Torah, the, the, the uh, Old Testament, the Jewish Testament, has two criteria for a judge. One criteria is you can't take bribes. Okay, that's easy. But the first criteria, even before don't take bribes, the Torah says, lo takir panim, do not recognize faces, which means do not recognize races, do not recognize genders, do justice. That's why there's the blindfold on the statue of justice. And that's why you're not allowed to peek under the blindfold to see if the person is black or, or white or male or female or Jewish or Gentile or Muslim. That's what justice is all about. And there was no justice in this case, none. And where is the ACLU? Where is the left? Where is the Innocence Project? Where are all the people who would be bitterly complaining if the shoe were on the other foot? If this were a, a black Af African-American police officer with 26 years of good duty who was accused of tasing and accidentally using a gun on a, on, a, on a white person. And a statute were the same. No statute. No basis under the statute for a conviction. The left would be outraged, but the left, the hard left, doesn't care. The ACLU doesn't care. And others don't care because there's a political correctness here. This is a reckoning. This is affirmative action in the criminal justice system. Enough Black people were unjustly convicted. Enough white people were unjustly acquitted. So let's make up for it. Let's convict a white woman who isn't guilty of any crime and sentence her to two years in prison. That, that'll help make up for it. That, that's, you know, restorative justice. It's not equality, it's equity. You know, that term is such nonsense. What does equity mean? It means equality. It means you don't base a decision on race or gender or religion or national origin or ethnicity or any of those factors, it means you wear blindfolds when you administer justice. And that didn't happen here. And that isn't happening here. And I will not rest until Kim Potter gets her legitimate day in court. I hope, I hope that decent appellate lawyers will argue this case effectively to the appellate courts in Minnesota. I would be happy to help uh, any lawyer for Kim Potter who wants my help on this case because I am outraged, outraged at the result here. If it can happen to Kim Potter, it can happen to you, it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. This is lawlessness. This violates the rule of law. The Magna Carta, the Magna Carta required that there be a basis in law before anybody is confined. You know, there's no such thing as common law crimes. You can't have common law crimes. Common law is the developing law. As it develops, you change the law. That's for torts. That's for contracts. That's not for crimes. In the first decade of the 19th century, the Supreme Court, in a case called United States versus Hudson, said no common law crimes. No, no, no. There has to be a statute. And you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt every element of the statute. I challenge Keith Ellison, I challenge any prosecutor to point me to anything in these statutes that justifies the conviction of, of Kim Potter and the sentencing of her to two years. I challenge you to do it. I'll give you a half an hour on my show. Come and point to a statute 
that justifies this. There is no statute. You read the instruction by the judge, it's an outrage. The instruction misdirects the jury. It tells them they can convict on things that are not in the statutes. And I hope an appellate court will look hard and really think hard about this, because I have to tell you, you know, as I said, I've done 250, 300 appeals. I've probably done more other cases than that. I don't think I've ever seen a case where you can't find the basis. The first thing you do when you take on an appeal, as I do, is you read the judge's instruction, you read the statute, and you say, does the evidence and the instruction support the conviction? You do that here. It's not even a hard question. There's no basis in law for the conviction in this case. And, and so I just don't understand. Uh, and of course the family is going to be upset. They didn't want two years. Keith Ellison wanted 15 years. 15 years. That's close to life imprisonment. 15 years. People don't get 15 years in parts of the world for mass murder, for rape, for uh, armed robbery. 15 years for making a mistake? Oh my God. What kind of justice is that? It's Keith Ellison justice. It depends completely on recognizing face, recognizing race, recognizing political correctness, doing not justice, but reparations, reparations. We're going to hurt this innocent white woman because white people have done bad things to black people over the years. So we're going to get even, and we're going to get even by convicting somebody of a crime she didn't commit. That's not justice. That's not equality. That's not equity. That's tyranny. And the road to tyranny is paved with good intentions. Here, I can understand. I can understand how people who have been treated unfairly by the legal system want to catch up, want to make up for it, want reparations. But you don't take reparations on the back of an innocent, of an innocent person. So I'm interested in, in, in your views on this, and I'm particularly interested in the views of liberals, civil libertarians, people on the left, people who care about innocence. Uh, why aren't you outraged as I am about this? I would be just as outraged if the shoe were on the other foot. And so I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you, and I'm going to read your comments, just like I'm going to read some comments now or tell you about things that people have written to me. So first of all, on the Kim Potter case, people have written to me extensively because I've made my views known before. Generally, they have agreed. Um, I have not had an intelligent, thoughtful letter stating the other side. And I welcome one. I welcome a letter from somebody who thinks not that the, the, the conviction was a good one because you want to see her go to jail, who can justify the conviction based on the rule of law. That's what I want to see. And, and, and I, I haven't seen it. So I, I welcome you to write that letter. So let me go on to a few other points that were made. I'm not going to read letters now because we don't have the time, but I'm just going to tell you so, about some of the questions. One is a terrific question. Uh, the questioner says, it's clear that the government today is using social media. That is, government agents are using private companies 
to censor offensive views. And the letter focuses particularly on COVID and the vaccines. And you know, I'm in favor of vaccination. I'm in favor of masking. I'm in favor of social distancing. I'm only in favor of mandates as a last resort. I don't think we're there. I don't think the case for mandates right now has been made. And I don't think we need it right now, but I think we need to get as many people as possible vaccinated. The evidence suggests the more people are vaccinated, the less likely it is that COVID will spread and will emerge in a different manifestation. I think the evidence is fairly convincing on that. It's not overwhelming, but I think it's fairly convincing on that. And, 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 and so the government has been pressuring social media not to allow the other point of view to be expressed. So the question is a good one. If the government pressures social media to do its job, if the social media become a surrogate for the government, does it violate the First Amendment? When the First Amendment says Congress, which has been interpreted to mean any government agency, state or federal, so let's say instead of Congress, the, the government uh, may not abridge the free speech. Is the government abridging the free speech when they use private entities as their surrogates and pressure them to do it? It's a very interesting case, and I think one can make an argument. It depends on the nature of the pressure. It depends on how free the social media feel about doing this. Maybe they're just doing what they would like to do anyway, and they're just using the support of the government to to justify it. It's a hard question. It's a cutting edge question. It's a question that as a civil libertarian advocate of free speech, I see both sides of. I don't want to see the government suppressing um, the, the, the media, uh, and I don't want to see the government misusing the media. So I'd be interested in, in your views on that. Um, I think it's a great question. And as Richard Feynman once said, I'd rather live in a society where questions are not answered rather than one in which answers are not questioned. So I want to live in a society where there are good questions. And please, I think that's a good question. So give me what your answers are. Another letter I've gotten, I would say I got 10 of these, saying, I can usually predict what your views are on free speech. I can often predict what your views are on a gay marriage. But I don't exactly know where you stand on abortion. And there's a good reason for that. Abortion is a very, very difficult issue. It's not like gay rights. Gay rights, nobody's business. What people do in private, uh, who cares? I mean, whether a man has sex with a man is no different to me as whether a woman has sex with a man. Uh, it's, it's not an issue that anybody should have anything to say about. Abortion is different because... Many people, probably a very high percentage of our population, not, not 50%, but a high percentage of our population, certainly believes that a fetus is a human life deserving of protection. Um, when the Constitution talks about life, liberty, and the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, does it include the life of a fetus? It's a hard, hard question. Um, and if there were no consequences to a woman to bringing a child to birth, I would say that uh, the, the, the life of the fetus um, uh, should prevail. Uh, on the other hand, if there was no life to the fetus, then the rights of the woman to how she uses her body should prevail. But, but there's a conflict. Um, we have a fetus. We have the right of a woman 
And the Supreme Court has ruled in favor of the woman's right, and I've supported that decision. Legislatively, I would favor allowing abortion up to a certain point. I would not allow late-term abortions where the, 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 the child is viable and could be delivered with no harm to the, to the mother or with less harm than an abortion to the mother. But uh, early on abortion, say, you know, uh, abortion in 20 weeks or 22 weeks, hard, hard question. Um, I think there's a moral element to it. If you were living in a society in which morality governed, how would you come out? But we don't live in that society. We live in a society with a separation of powers. And so the real question is who decides this difficult, difficult issue? My view is the legislature should probably decide it. I was not uh, an enthusiastic supporter of Roe versus Wade. I was an enthusiastic supporter of the result uh, that a woman had the right to choose, but not of the logic and the reasoning, and in that a lot of law professors and constitutional scholars joined me in questioning the reasoning of, of Roe versus Wade. But, you know, it's, it's a 50-year-old decision now, half a century, and uh, precedent has some weight, and I, I'm certainly not in favor of, of seeing it overruled. Uh, you know, some people lump together gay rights and abortion rights. That, that's a terrible lumping. It, it's wrong. Gay rights is not a hard question, not a hard question intellectually, not a hard question legally, not a hard question morally. Of course gay people should have the right to have sex and marry whoever they please. It's none of our damn business what they do in the privacy of their home or in their wedding chapel. But abortion is different. You know, people who misuse analogies talk about, you know, millions of fetuses uh, being murdered. No, that, that, that overstates it. But people who honestly believe that the fetus is just like you and me, has the same right to life as you and me, you have to understand that view at least. There's nothing to understand about being anti-gay rights. There's nothing to understand. There's no argument there at all. But the argument on abortion rights is, is a substantial one. By the way, I challenge any of you, write me a comment, write me a letter defending a prohibition on gay sex or, or gay marriage. You can't do it. But I invite you to try, but you're not going to do it. You're not going to be able to persuade me or any reasonable person of that. But on the issue of abortion, you will. It's, it's a very, very complicated uh, question. Okay. So... The final point, I get still a lot of comments about uh, Israel. Is Israel an apartheid state? Is Amnesty International correct? Is it a genocidal state? How can I support Israel? Do you know that Israel just the other day appointed to its Supreme Court, and everybody acknowledges that the Israeli Supreme Court is one of the best in the world, a Muslim justice. Um, uh, an Arab judge sentenced the Israeli president to imprisonment. When I visited the Prime Minister, former Prime Minister of Israel, uh, Ed Omer, in prison, I visited him in prison, he's a friend of mine. Who do you think was guarding him? It was an Arab Israeli. That never happened in South Africa. There was never a black justice on the apartheid Supreme Court. Uh, blacks weren't allowed to vote in Israel. Not only are Arabs allowed to vote, they have one of the strongest political parties. They're in the Government. I mean, they're they're very very prominent. Uh, some of the most prominent professors, doctors, lawyers are are, are Arab Israelis, Muslim Arab Israelis, Christian Arab Israelis. 
uh, Druze. You know, it's a it's a, a, a multi-religious, multi-ethnic country. Is it perfect? Of course not. Is America perfect? Kim, you know, Potter. Is America perfect? No. Um, we have racial problems. France has racial problems. England has racial problems. Virtually every country has racial problems, if not racial problems, ethnic problems. So Israel has them too, but we, nobody would call the United States an apartheid a country. We put 110,000 Japanese Americans in detention centers during the, the Second World War. That was an act of apartheid, maybe, and, 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 but we're not an apartheid country, neither is England. And there are apartheid countries. Jordan doesn't allow Jews to own land. Uh, some of the other Arab countries uh, don't allow women to vote or to leave their husbands or to drive. Uh, so we have gender apartheid in, in many countries, but to accuse Israel as the only country in the world of apartheid and genocide is anti-Semitism. It's as simple as that. Amnesty International is an anti-Semitic organization. Black Lives Matter, the organization itself, not the people who support it, the organization itself is an anti-Semitic organization. It uses the term apartheid and genocide against uh, Israel. It doesn't use it against uh, some other countries that might deserve it, but it throws around that term. So I think anybody who accuses the only nation state of the Jewish people, Israel, of apartheid or genocide has to accept the label anti-Semitic. You can be anti-Semitic even if you have Jewish friends. Uh, you can be anti-Semitic if, if you single out the nation-state of the Jewish people. If there were only, say, one Muslim state or one black state or one Baha'i state or one, you know, you name it, state, and that state got all the attention, you know, in the United Nations, for example, there's going to be more condemnation of Israel than there will be for Russia um, and for uh, Iran uh, that hangs gays. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Amnesty International is anti-Semitic. Black Lives Matter, the organization, is anti-Semitic. Don't support Amnesty International. I used to. I don't anymore. I send my money to other human rights organizations that are not anti-Semitic. I do not support Black Lives Matter as an organization. I do support the concept of Black Lives Matter as a concept. I do think we've had a sordid history, of, particularly in the justice system, of how one deals with African-Americans, but I don't support the organization. Some organizations can do good, but if they use anti-Semitism as a means of promoting their ends, you can't expect decent people to support it. So I don't support it, and I urge you not to support it. So please apologize again for being late. I hope from now on we'll be on time. And I ask you please to scroll down and write comments. I really, really enjoy reading your comments, even the ones that attack me mercilessly, that say I'm a dupe of the Democrats, that I never criticize the Democrats. Of course I criticize the Democrats all the time, but please keep writing me. Be tough. I'll never censor anybody. I'll read your comments whether they're pro or con. So please keep listening to me on uh, Rumble. Keep listening to me on um, any other uh, formats on Locals. And, uh, you know, I'm 83 years old. I'm not ready to retire. I still want my views out there to be debated. So stay tuned and come back and listen to The Dirt Show. Thanks.